Hey everybody and welcome to Libromancy, a podcast about the magic of books. Today I'm talking about The Hod King by Josiah Bancroft, so let's start spying on it. First off, I wanted to tell everybody what kind of bingo squares they thought this fulfilled for 2020. It's going to fulfill, at least for me, fulfilled the exploration. Um, there's a lot of uh, exploring new places that goes on. It made me laugh, so it'll fit that square for me. Uh, I find these series, the series of books so far, uh, pretty optimistic, so I think that is a good fit as well. It also fits Big Dumb Object, because the tower, of course, is a big dumb object. And I feel like it could be used for feminism, because four of our main five main characters are all women, and they're all you know, powerful, strong women that do what they want and need to do and they get it done. So I think it can fit for that. If you don't think it fits, that's fine. There's plenty of good books that'll fit that square. So let's start uh, digging into this. So as we as we reviewed the last two books, actually, sorry. So as we remember in Senlin Ascends, the first book of this series, Senlin has arrived at the tower with his wife. They became separated. Senlin Worked his way up through basement, through to the parlor, and then at the bath, and he end, ends in New Babel, fearing that his wife has been sold to a wife monger, and he is trying to figure out how to get to her. Excuse me. The next book, Arm of the Sphinx, deals with Senlin escaping New Babel. He just escaped from New Babel, and their adventures as a pirate ship, their visit of the Silk Zoo, where they meet Luke Mardot, organizer of the Hods, uh, to destroy the tower. And it ends with us meeting the Sphinx and Senlin giving getting a mission to be sent as a spy in Pelphia, where his wife has been kept is being kept. So, the, as you could guess, the majority of this book is going to take place in Pelphia. Uh, it's a kind of a funny little city. It's definitely a city that runs on gossip and fame. The more attention you can attract to yourself, usually the better. I thought it was really funny. They had a mechanical sun that they go every that uh, goes across the sky and then they have to reset it every night and sometimes it gets stuck which was just funny like oh yeah the sun's stuck it's fine it'll somebody'll go up and give it a shove and it'll start moving again later uh super funny I thought that was great. Some other things, I, we see a lot of new characters in this book and a lot of recurring characters. I thought it was well done. There were never too many characters that were coming in that I was losing track of older characters. And the way the older characters were brought back made it feel a little bit more believable to me. It didn't throw me out of the story that any specific person was brought back. Uh did not like the way the book was laid out. It makes sense, and I like it more than I liked it when I was reading it, but uh, it just did not click with me as I was reading it. So the way it's the book is laid out is you have uh, three and a half sections. So first section is going to be Senlin. The second section is going to be Iron and Voletta. And then the third section is Edith. And each section covers approximately the same amount of time. And so you, you with Senlin and then he cuts away, and then you're back in time to when they split, and now you're with Iron and Voletta. Cut, and you get to the end and go back to Edith. You see things from her perspective. Now, what I didn't like about this was that Bancroft did a really good job of leaving our characters at the most tense spots he could find. Uh, it was a hard cut from Senlin when something drastic has just happened, and now we're on Iron and Voletta you know, before any of this has even happened. And then, you know, you get to the end of their section and it's a very tense piece. And then we're back. And I didn't like it because I wanted to read more about what was happening to them, you know, and to get on with the story. But it was good. It kept you engaged. It showed all the different facets of what was happening and how they were all coming together. 
And overall, I think it really enhances the book. I just didn't personally like it because it cut me off from the characters that I wanted to read right when it was getting really, really interesting and exciting. I think that's going to do it about for our non-spoilery section of this book. If you want to go read the book now or you want to just keep listening, go right ahead. Um, But we're going to get into the spoiler section. So as we've been talking about in every, every book so far, every ring or kingdom of the tower has its own specific purpose. And one of the purposes or the main purpose of Pelphia is to kind of act as the circuit breaker for the whole tower. So there's circuits they have to flip every so often, and there's fuses that have to get replaced every so often. It's quite an ingenious design that the Sphinx or the Bricklayer built when they when they built Pelphia. And the Sphinx actually made a roller coaster for them to change the fuses. So you'd go on this wild roller coaster ride, you'd put some you'd put the fuse in its spot, they'd change it out, and then you know you keep going. And I think that's really affected the culture of Pelphia because everything kind of revolves around that game of everything revolves around games and political aspirations to to be the ones to do that kind of thing. It was really interesting. I like that, you know, we're getting more into that now. We learn I don't remember so many names of different kingdoms and ringdoms in this book. But none of them, we don't really visit any of them or see anything more of them from a superficial view. But with the amount of detail that Josiah Bancroft has put into, you know, the first five or six levels that we've seen really leads you to believe that there's going to be a real reason and a purpose behind every other ringdom in the kingdom, in, ringdom in the tower uh, that would be supporting the tower's goals. So uh, let's start with Sunland. He's is the first section that we find. He has arrived in Pelphia and he is pretending to be a Boscopian accountant. Now, a Boscop is just a ringdom, but apparently they are the most boring, stale, dry people you've ever met, ever. Uh, many times he's ordering warm water and toast, uh, which just sounds disgusting, but apparently that's what Boscopians like to eat, because that nobody turns their head at that. They think it's great. They plenty of time try to uh, get him to react by giving him any kind of like flavored alcohol or you know, making him ride on a roller coaster, just because... They know that a Boscopian would never do that, and then he has to pretend like it wasn't fun and enjoyable and that he'd never done anything like that before, and that was quite funny. So, Sunland's mission while in Pelphia is obviously to spy for the Sphinx. She's given him the very vague mission of find out what's going on, why her spies, her little moth butterflies that can record things, are no longer reporting when they're being destroyed and what's going on with that. So, Sunland does what any man who's missing his wife would do and immediately tries to find his wife. Of course, we all knew that was going to happen and he knows that she's being held married to Duke Wilhelm, who is very prominent and powerful and he's been trying to curry his favor and get in to actually meet him and he's had no success. So because he's been having this lack of success, he starts trying to come up with more ideas, figure out ways he can get in to meet Duke Wilhelm. He rescues a Hod who was in a fight. Um, That was an interesting scene. The police later come and are like, well, you know, why'd you help the Hod? And he's like, well, they were, you know, beating him up. They're going to kill him. He's like, so he's a Hod. Like, who cares? And I thought this was a good thing because it really showed that Semlin still cares about people he still cares about even hods that nobody else cares about in the whole story and you know later on it causes more issues when a whole group of hods is about to be condemned because of these two hods that he these this hod that he helped escape so it was good we learned more about the hods there we saw a lot about the city so when Senlin starts trying to uh, meet duke wilhelm one of the things he does is he goes to the coliseum where they have hods fight 
uh, each other and battle to the death. Not really to the death because then they run out of hods, but they make it look pretty good. So he's going to this club that Duke Wilhelm owns and he's trying to work his way up to Duke Wilhelm and he is watching the fights and who gets reintroduced to us but John Tarot. Now if you remember Tarot, he was with Senlin in the baths and because of his involvement with Senlin, he was sentenced to become a hod. I'm sure many of us like me thought he was just dead, but no, he's back and he's fighting in the Coliseum. And as Semlin sees that, you know, John Tarot is fighting in the Coliseum, he immediately starts devising a plan to try and free John Tarot so that he can work with him again. And because he's his friend and he cares about him, he doesn't want him to stay there. At this point, you know, in the story, Semlin is trying to work his way in with Duke Wilhelm and he's invited by Duke Wilhelm to attend a masquerade party. And so he does. And he actually meets Maria, and then he is forced to go on the roller coaster that you ride to change the fuse of Pelfia, basically. And while he's there, he, you know, tells her, hey, I'm working with the Sphinx. Let me get you out of here. I can save you. Don't worry. Like, if you want to stay here, that's fine. But if you want to leave, let me know and I'll get you out. And Maria says, no, go away. I don't love you. Just, you're not, you can't save me. I'm happy where I'm at. And so Semlin, you know, accepts it. And he says, okay, well, you know, if you ever change your mind, you know, I'll come get you and rescue you. And then he leaves and, you know, he gets depressed a little bit, but he still continues to work as the Sphinx's spy. Now, a little bit later after Semlin has worked his way up a little bit, he is working on a deal to free and to buy John Tarot so that he can, you know, free him and they can work together again. But he is revealed to be, Sem, you know, Thomas Semlin. He, his disguise is revealed by a dancer that Duke Wilhelm actually buys for him. And it happens to be the girl who he robbed, and the, the girl with her father who he robbed on his way to visit the Sphinx in the last book. Came back to bite him in the butt and then, you know, Duke Wilhelm realizes, oh, you're Semlin, I know who you are. You're my wife's husband. You know, I can't let you go. So he sentences him to be a hod. So they take him, they shave him, they give him the metal with the, his debt inside of it, and they put a blinder on him, which is the first we've seen of this. But just kind of imagine like a bucket that's a little flared, and it goes around your neck, and then you can't, you know, see or hear anything, and it causes a lot of them to be sick. And then he gets thrown into the into the black trail with John Tarot because... That's who he's trying to rescue. And I'm going to cut you off there because that's where Josiah Bancroft cuts us off at. And, you know, why would you cut us off right when he's becoming a hod? Well, that leaves the good tension in there. So let's go back to Iren and Voletta. So Voletta has been working with Byron, the Sphinx's pet mechanical stag, to pretend to be a lady of high society. So she's pretending to be the Sphinx's niece. And, you know, part of this actually works in her favor that she's so bad about it because it allows her to stay in the limelight a little bit longer. So she's placed into the care of uh, Duke's daughter, Xenia, who she is learning the ways of Pelfia with her. She is attempting to get close to Maria in order to, you know, effect a rescue on her. That's been her goal uh, from the Sphinx is to get to Maria and to rescue her. Of course, she is ever the daredevil and goes climbing at night and happens to meet the prince, uh, who is a scoundrel we learn from many sources, but obviously she doesn't know that and she knows that he has the power to get her to Maria. So she agrees to go to a play with him. They go and see Maria perform and during one of the breaks she's allowed to go back 
stage and visit her. Now, of course, after she explains that she is also there to rescue Semlin, Maria again refuses and says that it's not possible and that she's happy and to just leave her alone. However, at the last second, uh, she it is revealed, you know, Maria's baby comes in and she's you know, apologizing the nurse that she couldn't bring him earlier, but the Duke wouldn't allow it. And Voletta sees and understands exactly why Maria is refusing to leave because the Duke has the hold of her daughter over her and she knows that she wouldn't leave without her. So on her way back to Iron to, you know, leave with her and visit, go back to the, their ship with Edith, she is accosted by the prince who drags her into a room and tries to have his way with her and they fight and, you know, Voletta's doing good because she's such a daredevil until she is not and until she's, you know, shot in the head. And I did not like that one bit. I did not like that she died. Like, right there. That was horrible. It was painful. The way he wrote that scene was just... I mean, it was great. He made you believe she was getting out of it, and then she dies. And then Iren, you know, bursts in and sees the prince standing over her. And then she brutally murders the prince, which was great. I loved it. She rushes to Voletta. And luckily... Yeah, I know. Tease, tease. Luckily, Voletta is still breathing, just barely. And so she rushes Voletta back to the airship. And what happens again, you guys? Yeah, the airship crashes. Now, we get to cut a switch again, and now we're going back to Edith, because just like that's where Josiah Bancroft cut it out, that's where we're going to cut it. Uh, like I said, he just leaves you at these brutal spots where things are happening, and you're like, I need to know what's going to happen next. But he just cuts it and says, nope, we're going back in time, and you'll see what happens later. So Edith is working on the, is the captain of their new ship that the Sphinx has given them. She's a fully qualified Wakeman now. Her job, as it was, you know, before they arrive in Pelphia, was to just go to other ports and to show off the power of the Sphinx. So she goes and shows off her power, shows that the Sphinx is active again, collects a couple portraits of the bath of the bricklayer's daughter, and then they arrive in Pelphia. And in Pelphia, she meets Georgina Haste, who is the Wakeman of Pelphia. Uh, she strikes it off great with her. They both are women in power. They both have a lot of their or part of their body replaced by the Sphinx. And so they have this great kinship and this love of each other. Now, while Edith is in Pelphia, she starts looking for Sunlin and is unable to find him because, of course, he's you know, been sent off to be a hod, but she doesn't know that, so she's investigating and trying to find things. And one of the things she does find is that there is a library under the Colosseum that the hods can get into, and they get in and find that there's some hods that have been studying and working on a project underneath the library. And you know, what is that? Who is it about? And they oh, don't know. And so they go back to their ship, and Edith invites Georgina on because. They're such good friends to have dinner, to have a, you know, just a good friendship. And Edith, no, excuse me, not Edith, Georgina betrays her because Georgina has been won over by Luke Mata that the tower is evil and needs to be destroyed, that the tower does nothing but eat men and spit them out as trash, as hods. And so they have to fight and Edith has to, to kill her friend. Uh, Georgina it was quite touching and sad the way they played that out along with being boarded at the same time it was a great couple scene uh but sad that she lost such a good friend um and even at the end their their friendship and their yearning for having that was still there it was good after this Edith of course decides that she's not playing nice anymore so she visits the king and demands what she needs and demands in a very stern and forceful way and then she goes to Duke Wilhelm 
and she brutally beats him and says, tells Mari, come with me, you're leaving, like, he will never hurt you again, and we're gonna go find Sunland and rescue him now. And so Mari, of course, runs off and gets her little baby and gets, comes with them, and, you know, now she knows, hey, these people do have the strength to fight and protect me, and so they leave, and now they are, you know, flying back to the Sphinx and trying to figure out where Sunland is. And we cut off there, which was a good, finally, a good spot to cut off. We've talked about them, you know, they kind of finished their story. Now we're going back to Senlin. Senlin and John Tarot on the Black Trail as Hods. So their only way they can work off their debt, as we learn, is to haul things from one ringdom to the next. Now the way, not all Hods have a map, but if you do, the only way to read the map is to read which way, which incline is higher and by how much. And so they are trying to, you know, go anywhere uh, as they are on the black trail at the very beginning. They also meet somebody else that we we know before. They meet Fingal. If you don't remember, Fingal was the head of New Babel, where Senlin worked as the quartermaster, and where he planned his revolt to become a pirate. So uh, they all have to work together to survive. They are looking for Luke Marat or his any of the the zealots there so that they can free Senlin of the blinder so that they can keep moving forward. You know, so they can come up with a plan. Uh, luckily, the same Hod that Senlin freed is there and saves, you know, removes the blinder from Senlin and then gives them a choice that they can die there, all three of them, or they can journey to Luke Marat together and then he can decide. And so they journey. They decide to go together, of course. Uh, plenty of bonding moments, but not a whole lot of bonding going on uh, because they all hate each other. Uh, John Thoreau and... Fingal hate each other, and Fingal hates Senlin, for obvious reasons. So, not a whole lot of bonding going on, but when they get back to Luke Marat, they find that he has built a monstrous machine uh, in the form of a trilobite. Now, you don't know what that is, kind of imagine like a small shell with lots and lots of little legs, pincers, it's power, it's kind of just scary the way if you think about the one they've built being so big and luke is bragging to them that their the time is at hand and the destruction of the tower is going to become soon and that he brags that this hod king which is what they call this the, this machine takes over a hundred hods to run it um very powerful you know Sandlin can immediately grasp the implications of what's going to happen with that if if it gets loose if luke marat sends it off to destroy a ringdom or two and so he has to you know say to luke mark that yeah hey i believe now i met the sphinx it was horrible but i understand why why you fight her you know fight the sphinx i also want to fight the sphinx with you and luckily he is believed, but that's kind of where our book wraps up, is that Senlin is with the Hods, and Edith, uh, Iron, Voletta, and Mari are all on the outside trying to figure out a way to save him and potentially save the tower. So again, I really like this book. I did not much so like the the style, but it, I thought it worked really well for the way it was. I still would recommend it to everybody. Definitely worth the read. And that's going to wrap up my discussion of The Hod King by Josiah Bancroft. Thanks for listening, everybody. And thanks to David Hillowitz for the intro and outro music. If you have any questions or comments, please send them to libromancypod at gmail.com. And remember to spy on the magic of books.